you're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Denim Audio Network. Hello and welcome everyone to the Way Home Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. We have a great uh, episode in store for you today, especially if you are a pastor or doing any kind of uh, vocational ministry, serving God's people. We're going to encourage you today to stay faithful, to be encouraged in what God is doing and how to take care of yourself for the long haul. If you're not a pastor, if you're a, a lay person, this is a great episode for you too, to just help you think how to be a good church member, how to be involved in the work of the ministry well, how to encourage your pastor to be faithful, what that relationship should look like for you. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy this. Before we do that, I want to let you know about a couple of things that you'll be interested in. First is my book, uh, Agents of Grace, How to Bridge Divides and Love as Jesus Loves. I don't know about you, but in the last few years, it just seems like Christians are fighting and divided more than more than at other times. I mean, Christians have always had divisions uh, throughout church history, and but you know, this digital age we live in, this highly hyper partisan political age we live in, has really put Christians at odds with one another. And uh, this book does a couple of things. I, one of the things I try to do is talk about what are the issues that matter, that the things that we have to go to the mat for, what are the things we should have strong opinions on but be open-handed about. Also, what does it look like to love our brothers and sisters? What is What does God require of us? What did Jesus require of us when he says, love one another as I have loved you? Uh, also, how do we forgive? How do we release that burden of bitterness? anger when someone has deeply hurt us, especially if it's church hurt. What do we do with that? So you want to get this book, Agents of Grace, How to Bridge Divides, Love as Jesus Loves. Uh, it's got a forward by J.D. Greer, pastor of Summit Church in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and endorsed by a few others that you would know. So you can get that. We'll have links to that in the show notes. Also, if you're interested in writing, and I get a lot of folks ask me, probably two, three times a week. Um, I've got an idea. I like to get published or how do I get started writing? You know, what are the disciplines I need? What are the time? What time do I need to carve out? What, what are some things I need to do in order to do that? If that's you, I'd love for you to uh, take part in this cohort that my friend Chad Poe has put together and his Throughline Cohorts uh, ministry. We had a great group of folks last semester, people at all stages of the writing process, from those kind of wanting to dip their toes into it to those who have book ideas and beyond. Uh, And so if you are interested in this, please uh, go to my website and uh, look at the show notes, and there will be links there. You can go to Throughline Cohorts. We'll have a link to that as well. We'd love for you to be part of this. Okay, let's get to our program today. Today we have my friend Mark Dance, who is a former pastor and church planter. I first met Mark years ago when I was working at the ERLC, and he was working at Lifeway, kind of doing work for pastors. He has served, as I said, as a pastor and church planter, as an interim pastor. He's worked with Lifeway and with the Oklahoma Baptist Convention, really kind of helping encourage pastors. And now he's with Guidestone Financial Resources, and his role is really pastoral wellness. How do pastors stay well for the long haul? And he has a new book out, a a new little book that I think is really important. It's called Start to Finish, The Pastor's Guide to Leading a Resilient Life and Ministry. You'll want to get this book. So just think through, you know, as a pastor, as a leader, how do I stay in it for the long haul? How, what are the practices I need to do and how, how can I be an effective, efficient, faithful, healthy uh, pastor? So I'm not going to keep talking because I know we want to get to our conversation. 
Here it is with Mark Dance. Glad to have my friend Mark Dance on the podcast with me. Mark, thanks for joining me today, man. Glad to be here, Daniel. Excited to. So, yeah, I don't know if you've been on before. You might have. I've I been doing this for a while. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. This is my maiden voyage. Yeah. So, welcome to the podcast. Our paths have crossed a little bit. When we were in Nashville, you were at Lifeway. I was at ERLC, and then you were at First Baptist. You were an interim church pastor there. Anyway, Mount Juliet, yeah. Mount Juliet, yeah. Now we're both in Texas. Yes, we are. You're at Guidestone, and I'm at Southwestern. So anyways, I wanted to have you on to talk about your latest book, uh, Start to Finish, The Pastor's Guide to Leading a Resilient Life and Ministry. So you are a pastor for a long time. In the last several years, you've worked really on past, I guess you call it like pastoral wellness, helping pastors be healthy, healthy leaders. You did that a lot at Lifeway, and now you're doing that at Guidestone. So, man, really talk about why you, like, I want to talk about pastoral wellness for a bit, but to talk about you personally, why you felt just called to this kind of ministry of encouraging and helping to support pastors. Well, it was actually Tom Rainer that invited me to start Lifeway Pastors, and I was rolling off the uh, eight years of being a trustee, and I was almost my fiftieth birthday, and quite honestly, I was in a really good place at a really good church. Had been there fourteen years, but the idea of helping other pastors was very compelling to me. Something I'd tried to do as a pastor, and in this season, it's just worked. I just absolutely love cheering pastors on. So it's just as simple as Rainer saying, hey, you know, would you be that pastor to pastors, that other face and voice for pastors? And I prayed through it. And that yes turned into a whole new chapter. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's such a needed thing right now. You you know, it's no secret. I've, I've been talking to pastors the last four or five years and just really uh, the crucible that pastors are in, in terms of leadership, so many things swirling in the, in the culture and the congregations has made it really difficult. Are, are you sensing that too, that there's just a lot of fatigue, a lot of burnout, a lot of you know weariness in the ministry? Yeah, absolutely. It's always been hard, of course, historically, in any context, pastoring's a tough job. And you know, three years ago, the pandemic made it harder, mixed with all the political and social stuff. And we've talked about that and and it did. It it actually made it harder. And people predicted, lots of people predicted that pastors would quit in droves, that they would just bail on their post. And they were wrong about that. You know, the, the attrition rate has not changed before or after the pandemic, which shows you just how powerful God is, <laughs> and, you know, the strength of his call. But to your point, there still is an increased exhaustion level at Different research, Christian research firms have, have been keeping track of this. The more feel overwhelmed, frequently overwhelmed, and the you know, mental health challenges. Even even here at Guidestone, uh, our mental health claims have gone up 40% in the last three years. 
Mm. And that's not all pastors, but some of them are their family members, but it does include a lot of pastors. And so, yeah, it's been a stressful time. Yeah. When you talk to pastors and one of the things you're trying to encourage them how to navigate leadership in this moment, you know, the culture, there's a lot of political instability. There's a lot of division around a lot of different things culturally. What, what's advice that you give them for leading in this moment? I think the first thing is to practice self-care. It's very strategic. I, don't, I know that when I'm tired, I'm grumpy. I think everybody is. In fact, that's some of why the exhaustion has kicked in. It's, it's come on the heels of frustration. And when uh, people are tired and they're grumpy, they lash out each other. And so self-care is strategic, not just for yourself and your family, but for your ministry. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, it's not, it's not quite as easy to take care of other people. I, th- I think of that first, that verse, First Timothy 4.16, pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things and in doing this, you save not only yourself, but also your hearers. It starts with paying attention to your life. So the sec- actually, the second time Paul told Timothy this, the first one was in Acts 20, when he said, I'm never going to see you again. It's the last time we'll see each other face to face. And then he and the elders started crying. And he said, you know, pay attention to your life and your flock. So in both cases, he starts with pay attention to your yourself or your life, what we would be translate also as soul. So soul care is self-care, and I think that's where it kind of starts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. I think sometimes when people hear self-care, they think, oh, that's just some sort of like, you know, narcissistic type thing. But you're talking about like care of your soul. And it strikes me that even like the Puritans, for instance, talked quite a bit about caring for your, your soul and tending to your soul. You know, one of the things that's remarkable to me about we just – or in the passing of uh, Tim Keller, when you read about Keller, he really took his spiritual discipline seriously and care of his soul, and I think that's why he was able to to do you know to be so used by God in that way. But you know, if you're a pastor and you're trying to balance a thousand things, the last thing you're thinking about is, oh, I got to do soul care. I got to take time away to do this or that. I've got, you know, a funeral to do. I've got to plan my sermon preparation. We've got to do this growth program. We got a building capital campaign. So, what do you have to say to pastors to help them prioritize this? Well, in our job description, uh, which includes ministers, missionaries, uh, whatever you're called in org chart, you know if you're a, a ministry leader or not. We have the same job description, and twice in that, in First Timothy 3, it uses the word manage, which is translated lead in, the, in Romans 12 in the leadership. One of the leadership gifts or spiritual gifts is leadership. So it starts, it starts with managing, managing your life, right? This is, uh, and, and to your point earlier, this could become very selfish. You know, self-care can be selfish. You can take care of yourself for the wrong reasons, and, and yet... You know, Paul told Timothy, in doing so, you save not only yourself, but also your hearers. You're not saving them from their sins, of course. It's saving them from their stupidity or your stupidity. <laughs> it's because, you know, some of we all, everybody listening has friends in the ministry that used to be in the ministry, right? 
that didn't finish the race that disqualified themselves or something happened and they tagged out. And it starts, it starts with paying close attention to, to your life. And that starts with, of course, your walk with the Lord. <laughs> Obviously, you know, come to me, all your weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And so as much as we've encouraged each other over the, over the years, you and I have, we sh- we've, we've broken bread a few times and encouraged each other. Uh, you've never put me in the place of replacing Jesus, right? He, he, he can do far more than I can. And that takes a lot of pressure off a pastoral ministry guy. But starting earlier in your ministry, those disciplines that Tim Keller started, the reason his finish was so strong is because he made that a normal part of his life. The relationships, the spiritual disciplines are more than just about what you do, a checklist of do's and don'ts, but relationships that God's prioritized. He's saying, you know, I'm first. And, you know, that's those are the first commandments, the, the great commandment. And then the other relationships come from the second commandment. Love your neighbor starts at home, starts the next pillow for me. Her name's Janet. And then for 20 years, each my kids until they became squatters. And then my parents started needing me more than my kids and et cetera, et cetera, all the way to the ends of the earth. So it's the people that we put around us and how we prioritize them that God says, Okay, these these are your top priorities for the day is me. I start with Jesus. My second priority is Janet and on and on it goes. And through that, I have to manage my life around those relationships. Yeah, that's I think that's such a good way of thinking about it. You know, we get so sort of stuck in the everydayness of ministry that we don't sort of carve time up for this. And, you know, it. I think of different kinds of pastors, you know, if you're pastoring a I mean, there's a lot of challenges to pastoring a large church or a mega church, a lot of pressures. Yeah. But you sort of have the critical mass and the resources around you to kind of order your life to where you are getting proper rest. You know, you just, you have that. What I think about is small and medium-sized pet church pastors who you're kind of the everyman doing everything. Yeah. And you're also trying to make it financially. So a lot of this stuff sounds good. Mark, it says, oh, that sounds good to have rhythms and, and margin. That's great. But I've got kids. I've got a, this church I'm trying to do everything with. Try to have, may, may have to make extra money on the side here. How do I do? How do I do that? You know, I'm not a mega church guy that gets some of these uh, advantages and some of these abilities to sort of put margin in my life. Yeah, that's that's a great question because it really is just a bunch of whiteboard moments, you know, if, or just a bunch of fancy words in a book, if, if it doesn't, if we don't bring them home and I've, I've pastored that small church and that medium church, that large church. The fact is managing my time has been difficult, whether it's a small church and you're doing everything or it's the larger church and you're managing people, you still have to, you still have to create a calendar that reflects your priorities. And honestly, I haven't always done that well. And it was God that arrested me at my first sabbatical. I was reading the scripture in the last week of that. And I'd way over scheduled that sabbatical. I totally messed it up. You know, I just, 
spent so much time interviewing pastors and I was more exhausted than when I started until the last week. In the last week, I'm all alone in a cabin, just me, the Lord, scripture, juice fasting, and the great commandment came alive and totally helped me to resort my schedule and my priorities based on who he said was most important. And I looked on my calendar and I, and I saw that I'd, you know, had this guy I was meeting with named Brian uh, at the gym a couple of times a week, first thing in the morning. And then I had breakfast meetings, had these meetings, that meetings. I mean, my reflector, my, my, my calendar was reflecting my priorities. And I, I totally had to start over and say, I need to devote myself to prayer and the ministry of the word, whether my church is large or small, there's an oral exam every week and I need to be prepared for it. And I saw the disciples we all have in early part of Acts, they stopped devoting themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And they, as church stopped growing until they gave ministry away. We'll be right back with our guests. But right now I'd like you to listen to a sample chapter of my book, Agents of Grace. I'm writing to say that God is still at work in the world and to say that Christian love and spiritual unity are still worth pursuing. While I've been hurt by Christians, I've also been immensely blessed by Christians. Brothers and sisters in Christ have been there for me in my pain. Single mothers who made meals when my wife endured a serious illness. Small group leaders who gave me money when I was suddenly unemployed and scared. A pastor who called and preached the word of God to me when I was in despair. I've been blessed by wise matriarchs with arthritic knees who called on spiritual fire from heaven on my behalf when I was weak. I've been healed by friends who left everything and came to my side when I needed hope. Thank you for listening to the sample chapter of Agents of Grace. As a reminder, you can get this book anywhere books are sold. You can go to my website, danieldarling.com, for more information. But for now, let's rejoin our conversation on the Way Home Podcast. And then I saw, you know, in my life, I had still had kids at home. And, and when you have kids at home, especially preschoolers, it's not just hard, it's it's impossible to date your wife the same way when you have preschoolers than when you had no kids, right? Either either before you, you had kids or empty nests like us right now, you, you, you can date more often. But if you stop dating when your children are at home and dependent on you, if you stop dating that period, by the time you get to the empty nest season, your marriage will be as empty as your nest. And so I, it, what I'd say to the pastor is own your responsibilities uh, don't use your church being too big, too small, or your circumstances being so unique. Everybody has, everybody has the same work-life balance problems, including church members. What you have to do is manage or lead, take ownership of it, and prioritize those relationships, which means demoting people along the way, right? So when I got married uh, 36 years ago, I demoted about 7 billion people. I said no to 7 billion people and yes to Janet. I also demoted my parents, which is what Genesis 2 tells us. Break up with your parents. You and I both have Jewish moms. You know that we had to break them up with them with on our wedding day. That wasn't, that was not easy for my mom. And then along the way, the kids, they, they needed to be demoted sometimes right? If they took the place above their mom or church members, they'll try to cut in line because they can't really define emergency emergencies well. And, and, and even today, I can't say yes to everybody and, and be practicing good stewardship of my time, 
limited time and limited energy. And so I don't want to make any of this sound easy. It's not. But God has put some boundaries in there for us, including Sabbath, that are not optional. They're difficult, but they're for our good. And they'll help us not only to start well, but to finish well. Yeah, no, that's good. I want to talk about finishing well, because I think that's one of the issues that, you know, ministry leaders have. And and I don't know if it's just for pastors and ministry leaders, really for everybody. But as I see it, I see really two paths, you know, guys either, you know, finish in a place where they're, they they enter a stage where they're almost like a kind of a wise sage and Mm -hmm. they're encouraging and mentoring the next generation or they're cranky, cranky (laughs) and they're, you know, feel like the world's passed them by and they're not useful anymore and sort of hang on to power and they're sort of poo-pooing everything younger, younger generation is doing. You know, I don't want to judge either way because i I can imagine after a long life and career, you know, I can imagine folks who've kind of been in charge of things, who've built stuff kind of like a little bit like it's hard to let that go. Yeah. But just talk about the talk about the keys to finishing well, to being someone who can be enormously useful to the body of Christ, to the next generation of leaders when you're in that stage of life where you can sort of hand, hand the baton to the next uh, next leaders? Yeah, man, that, that's a great question. I, that, I, I want everyone to just stop a minute and think about how you want to finish your ministry lap. I'm not talking about just to retirement, but through retirement. Because you, can, you, can, you might have your most fruitful time after you're out of vocational ministry. But to, to be fresh like that instead of that salty dog, that, that everyone's avoiding, then there are a few things you can do to, to get ready for it, to get ready for a good season, not just dread it. One, uh, so many pastors are pastoring beyond when they initially wanted to retire or transition into less than full-time. And there are, there are church members are ready for them to move on, their spouse ready for them to move on, but they can't afford to because they didn't Get, they got on the wrong side of compound interest, did not live within their means, didn't prepare uh, financially. And so they're staying because they can't afford to quit. Uh, that, that it's, it's, it's very well known the, how pastors have aged. Now, right now, I'm the, in the latest study, I'm the median age. of I'm 58. That shouldn't be the median age of pastors. But pastors are retiring later in part because they're not financially prepared. So the last thing Paul told Timothy in that in Acts 20, if you look it up, the last verses before he hugs him and never sees him again, the four verses he commits are all about having a financial plan. And I know I work at Guidestones. You may be expecting that. We've got people to help you. There are people at your church that can help you kind of get ready for that. But have a plan. It doesn't have to be a perfect plan. The other thing is steward your, your physical health. When the great commandment is the the source, the the main skeleton for that book, start to finish. The first half is about the first commandment, second half, the second commandment. So I'll walk through what heart, soul, mind, and strength looks like. And this is a very holistic discipleship kind of model, meaning that, you know, this is all, the keywords, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So 
you want to you you want to finish well you want to be a life-giving pastor then you need to be ready by taking care of your mental health your physical health your spiritual health and as well as your relational and financial health because that those things will become obstacles later on if if we're you know, and it will limit our, our options for what could be our best lap and most fulfilling. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, these are things that perhaps a leader doesn't think about, you know, initially when you're young, you think you're going to go forever. But uh, yeah. obviously, as you get along in your ministry, it's something that is important to think about. Uh, talk a little bit about mentoring the next generation. You know, what, what how do you coach up pastors in, in sort of training and, and coaching the next generation of leaders? I always felt like it's healthy for pastors to sort of have a person ahead of them in the ministry, yeah. like a Barnabas and a person behind them in the ministry, like a Timothy that they're mentoring along. Yeah. Well, I, one, I want to encourage anyone listening not to overthink it. The fact is we're called to make disciples. And so if the key disciple makers aren't doing it, if we're not practicing it, it kind of rings hollow with our people. That could just mean one person. It could mean, I mean, I'm discipling the guy in our church right now that I just meet with every other week and help him grow. For you, for if you're a pastor, then that what that can look like is someone about 10 years behind you, 10 years younger than you, that could use someone to encourage them that's uh, not quite reached some of the obstacles that you're going to reach. Maybe parenting or marriage or those crazy, the crazy church members, you know, and so it, it really does help. I've, I've always had someone older than me, as you use that model with Timothy, Barnabas, and Paul, and that, that really is, that means on both sides of you, I want to encourage you to think of at least one person that's about 10 years older than you, and another that's about 10 years younger than you, and same gender, and that's really the core audience that I wrote the book for to use it as a guide. That's what the subtitle is. This is a, a pastor's guide to leading a resilient life in ministry so that you walk through chapter by chapter some of the more practical parts of ministry and life together, and you'll have a safe place to talk about hard things, you know? And, mm. you know, it, it's ministry is too hard to do alone, and we all need somebody to pour into us and when you do find someone younger than you, realize that that, that ministry is reciprocal. Sometimes they're going to encourage you more than you encourage them. Sometimes God will speak through them words of wisdom that you needed more than what you brought to them. So whatever the generational gap, or if it's someone in, in your own age group, your own positional uh, lateral position, then just know that they're all reciprocal relationships because we all need encouragement. We all need friendships and we all need to be discipled. Yeah, no, that's really good. Man, I want to encourage folks to get this book. It's an important book, Start to Finish, The Pastor's Guide to Leading a Resilient Life and Ministry by my good friend, Mark Dance, who is leads pastoral wellness and care at Guidestone Financial Resources. And just a great guy who encourages, goes around the country encouraging pastors. You'll want this. Pastors, take some time to read it and maybe start thinking about how you can, as Mark has said, quoting scripture, you know, uh, take care of your life and your doctrine. So thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thanks for inviting me. 
Thank you for listening to this edition of the Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. Thank you for listening to the Way Home Podcast. Podcast.